Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Look what free speech has gotten you, right? And, and if free speech is going to bring a Hitler to power, are you still going to defend the rights of those people to speak? If you talk about the things that affect your daily life. The secret to being a good actor. I don't really care, actually, whether Britain remains Britain. His dad was actually murdered in front of him. Marine Le Pen has changed the Pont National. If it's like kind of like a documentary investigative reporting serialized true crime, it often gets into questions about the justice system or the media. In an uncertain world, there's always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people for the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to vote. Good question. Really good question. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem. Said Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. Uh, Mid-Atlantic has been running for some four years now. The show gives me great joy, allows me to speak to people with great minds, pundits and progressives about the issues of the day if you take something away from uh, listening to mid-atlantic please go on to itunes and write us a review i don't normally ask and beg for them like i do in other podcasts that i do but please go on to your local itunes and please rate us it also means that other potential listeners will get to know about the show long-time listeners will know that mid-atlantic is part of the agora podcast network Every October, we run a thing called Agrophobia. It's spooky, macabre and strange fiction and non-fiction stories that celebrate the spirit of Halloween. If you want to go and listen to, uh, to their shows, go to the Gorok Podcast Network via iTunes and each Friday there will be a new show. So if you're into uh, spooky and macabre things, uh, this, is, this is the month for you on the Agora Podcast Network. And that's agorapodcastnetwork.com. Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the Atlantic, from the perspective of the other. At least, normally, that's what we do. Um, I am Royfield Brown in a, in a 
soon to be sunny San Francisco. Today I'm joined by a friend of the show, former BBC and Sky uh, foreign news uh, and international diplomacy expert, Tim Marshall. Tim is the editor of thewhatandthewhy.com. Hello, Tim. How are you? Greetings. Never better. Thank you. Um, you've been uh, you've been about in in the last week or so, haven't you? Been in Spain, um, getting a, a feel of um, really just how horrible the situation is there, um, how unnecessary the situation is there, and picking up just how nervous Spain is about it. Well, we'll deal with Spain and Catalonia first. Spain's political crisis is deepening. After failing to comply with the Spanish government, Catalonia will now be stripped of its autonomy. In the absence of a clear response, we note that he has not answered our request and therefore we will continue procedure of triggering Article 155 of the Constitution to restore legality in Catalonia. The Catalan president, Carles Puigdemont, had been given until Thursday morning to clarify and revoke any independence claim. Last week, he unilaterally declared independence and simultaneously suspended it to allow for talks. But instead of clarifying his position, Puigdemont sent a letter to Madrid calling for an end to repression and for dialogue. Prime Minister Mariana Rajoy has repeatedly refused to mediate with the secessionists. We're now in uncharted territory. Article 155 has never been invoked in mainland Spain before. It could see devolved powers over the raising of taxes, education, healthcare and the police soon in Madrid's hands. At the very worst, it could see the suspension of the government and the arrest of its leaders. Tim, with the Spanish government in Madrid suspending the autonomy of Catalonia, a decision which has prompted anger across the region, uh, this is Spain's deepest constitutional crisis since the restoration of democracy in 1977. What is the next move from the Spanish government? That comes Friday. Uh, Before that, there's Thursday. Thursday, the Catalonian parliament meets. If they wish, they can clarify their position. You might remember the previous clarification was, yes, we're declaring independence, but we're immediately uh, halting it, so, which wasn't very clear. So that could come on Thursday. Either way, on Friday, the Spanish Senate uh, meets and will almost certainly approve the government's uh, proposal for direct rule from Madrid onto Catalonia. At that point, we start to guess again. But there still is another move that the Catalan government can do, can't they? Because they can actually call fresh elections, which will suspend Article five five uh, one five five. Sorry. Well, again, that yeah, this is why we're looking to Thursday <clears throat> and seeing who's going to blink. Now, in one way, the Catalonians have already half. Well, the Catalonian nationalists, I should say. I mean, really, do need to differentiate. It's not as if the whole of Catalonia wants to leave. The Catalonian nationalists mm-hmm. half blinked when they declared independence, but then immediately suspended it. So the pressure is really on, and the grip is tightening, and we are approaching D-Day. And so maybe they will call these elections, but um, at the moment that's that's far from certain. What Madrid can do as well, once it has the go-ahead from the Senate, is impose a new election. So either way, that means you don't have to send the tanks in straight away. You, you could try and buy yourself some more time. Is there any feeling about what the um, 
the the will of the Catalan people is at the moment because the last time there were opinion polls before this election it said that approximately was it 43% of, of Catalans actually wanted independence I'm guessing utterly guessing from uh, the safety of, of my my house in, in San Francisco that that 43% is inched up because of the actions of the Madrid government There's two different things here connected one is that prior to the actual vote, um, there was around about that amount who wanted the referendum and wanted everything to be done legally. Now, the actual result of the referendum is, as you say, it's 43% of those who took part. Uh, Sorry, Mm -hmm. I need to go back on this. 90% of those who took part in the vote, 90% said, yep, we want independence. But the problem with that vote, this is where you confuse me with the 43%, is that only 43% of voters took part because the other half of Catalonia that does not want independence boycotted it. And consequently, you can make the argument that it it does not have validity, especially seeing as it was deemed illegal anyway, but that's another separate argument. Half of the region boycotted the vote. And so does it have validity. Where you're right about the vote possibly going up is the heavy-handed manner in which Madrid went about that, especially hitting people over the head with truncheons. What does this do for the spectre of Basque nationalism? That was the question I was asking people in Madrid when I was there last week, uh, and they were saying they don't actually think it is going to re-spark Basque, Basque nationalism because the Basque nationalists have won a real significant degrees of um, autonomy. And, and to, to my surprise, people were saying they don't think this is going to spark the, uh, the Basques nor the other regions of Spain, Andalusia, Galicia, etc. Uh, this is about Catalonia uh, and it is a real crisis and at the moment you can see that Madrid having charged like a bull into the situation is now trying to find ways to get out of it without further violence but they will not back down on accepting independence. Let me understand something here Tim. Um, I thought that the Spanish uh, constitution in terms of its kind of federal structure was created really with Catalonia and the Basque country in mind, that there are other regions which have uh, don't have their level of autonomy. That's right. So, yeah, so if the Basque country and Catalonia approximately have the same amount of, of, of autonomy from, from the centre, from Madrid, why is it that the, the Catalans have been so vehement, at least 43%, approximately, just under half of them have been so vehement for independence? What's so special about Catalonia over the Basque country? Well, it's, it's partly longevity of that they were a nation in their own right, they felt, and then subsumed. It's partly because mm-hmm. they are so much bigger than the Basque region that theoretically, not only being bigger in population, but also in, in geographic size, but most importantly in economic size, they could make a go for it. Um, independently. Now, they would not be allowed into the European Union, but nevertheless, there are other European nations that are not in the European Union and are doing very well, thank you. Norway or 
Switzerland. So because of those three things, the size of the territory, population and economy, there's enough of them that think we can make a go of this on our own. Whereas the Basques were all, most of them were not fighting for outright independence. They were fighting for greater autonomy, which they achieved. Hmm. Um, there have been moves, haven't there, by, uh, in the business community that many HQs of companies have kind of moved out of Catalonia because of the insecurity. Um, surely the Catalan economy has taken somewhat of a hit and you'd think that business leaders uh, are going to recoil away from outright independence. That's exactly what's happened in the last two weeks. An awful lot of the big businesses, the national businesses, Santander Bank and others, are saying to the Catalan government, well, we don't, we're not going to do business inside this region if you do, because it's going to be unstable. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't want you to do this anyway. And so we will be moving out of Catalonia, essentially out of the greater Barcelona area and that because they're trying to change their minds i mean there's lots of other things you can do as well you um you can take down the broadcasting licenses and even shut down potentially the broadcasting towers of the catalan tv and radio stations you could take down the mobile phone network uh in the region you know it doesn't have to be tanks crossing uh in, in, into barcelona city center at dawn there are a number of things that can be done to try to bring them round. The problem is, and Madrid knows this very well, each time they do do something like this, they run the risk of angering more and more people and, and putting them over to the other side. But at the moment, that is what's happening. There is now an economic squeeze going on on, on Catalonia to try to persuade the Catalonian nationalist politicians to back down. King Felipe has absolutely aligned himself with Rajoy and uh, the central uh, administration within Madrid. Um, it, it must feel, if you are a Catalan, that uh, these people are, are foreign. If even the, ki the king of Madrid, you'd think that the monarchy should be there as somewhat of a uh, mediating force in this, but, but he's absolutely not, is he? Let's go back to the Spanish flag. <clears throat> you've got the shields of Catalan in there, of Aragon, of Andalusia, etc., of the regions, all inside the flag. At the top mm -hmm. of the shields is a crown. What that says is that the crown is above and unites these different regions. And so the king didn't have much choice, really. And, and again, I, I go back to, to this idea of the Catalans. You said Catalans feeling themselves uh, to, to be separate. No, 90% um, of the 43% that voted felt that way. So by sheer numbers, a majority of Catalans did not, uh, do not feel themselves to be a different people. Just as in the Scottish referendum, uh, a majority of Scottish people, uh, voters, decided that they did feel British uh, and Scottish as well, and they wanted to remain within the United Kingdom. So it's, it's not that that the Catalans look at the king and feel distant from him. It's that some of them look at the king and feel distant from him. And he had no choice but to uh, to say uh, he wants a united Spain. Otherwise, he's not being the king of all the peoples. So let's say that um, new elections are not called him. Um, where do you see the Catalan um, problem going in the immediate future? Get out your crystal ball. If, if elections are not called and the Declaration of Independence is made, 
Madrid will impose direct rule, but they'll do it in the beginning in as soft a way as possible. Businesses will leave, um, TV stations may be taken down, um, life will become very difficult for the Catalan government. The crisis would come if uh, the chiefs of police in the Catalan police force, which is distinct from the national Spanish, because it has regional police forces and a national force, uh, begin to refuse orders from Madrid and tell their officers to refuse orders from Madrid because power does still even in a democracy in this day and age come out of the barrel of a gun, partially. And so, you know, I have a crystal ball that allow. well, this is the problem. I have several crystal balls and I can give you several scenarios, but no one can ever know which 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 scenario they're looking at is the one that's going to play out, which is why it's pretty bloody dangerous. But as I said, no elections, a soft um, tightening of the screw by Madrid if it doesn't work, and if the if the if the Catalonian police refuse to obey over order, orders from Madrid, then the Catalonian police have to be replaced, and that is fighting talk, and that's when you'll see millions on the streets. We've already seen hundreds of thousands. You'll see millions on the streets by then. Other scenario is elections give buys everybody breathing time and if the outcome of those elections is that pro uh, remaining in spain parties uh win a majority in the catalonian parliament that can take the sting out of it and they, they can negotiate their way past this crisis i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. China's really helping us. And we'll see with respect to North Korea. Look, 93% of the things going into North Korea come through China. China is big stuff. I believe he's got, he's got the power to do something very significant with respect to North Korea. We'll see what happens. Now, with that being said, we're prepared for anything. We are so prepared like you wouldn't believe. You would be shocked to see how totally prepared we are. If we need to be, uh, would it be nice not to do that? The answer is yes. Will that happen? Who knows? With tensions on the Korean peninsula growing to unprecedented levels, 
Tim, why should we take Trump's Korean War talk seriously? Uh, because he might not be bluffing. Um, and he's actually doing a fairly good job on keeping us all guessing. And when I say all, that includes the leadership in Pyongyang. Um, he has done a number of things which I find really interesting. He has moved the USS uh, Reagan aircraft carrier group into the waters, and they would need a, a, an aircraft carrier if they were going to do this. Um, and fascinatingly, I have heard that this week uh, the US military is preparing uh, an exercise on how to evacuate the United States citizens out of South Korea. Because before any preemptive strike, they would have to uh, certainly clear the non-essential staff out of the embassy and give the option of Americans to leave the country. You know, it's not you're not going to wake up one morning and find out that the military action has happened. It doesn't work that way. So, because he's doing these things, the, you you still think this could happen. Uh, now, it, it still seems unlikely given the stakes they're playing for. But the fact that that he's manoeuvring in this manner does keep people guessing, and I still think you can't rule out the Americans going for the war option. I thought the um, the exercise of re- removing the U.S. staff was something which was scheduled some time ago, and um, I don't know if the State Department actually said, "Look, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry." You know, we had this plan from from years back, and this is something which we do on a regular basis. But but also, David Petraeus has actually said, you know, this is highly unlikely, despite the heightened rhetoric between Trump. And yeah, but David Petraeus is not the commander-in-chief of the United States Armed Forces, and Donald Trump is. Previous to the Reagan uh, moving, moving into the waters, the one thing which uh, military chiefs um, across the states actually did say, you know, quietly, was that we have actually made... There are no, no plans for this, is it? This is just pure sabre-rattling. So, so, so I suppose it does play into what you're saying that the fact that the Reagan has gone there is at least some symbolic show of uh, military preparedness. Yeah, but no, it's more than symbolic. I mean, I, I agree with it. It is symbolic, but it's more than symbolic. It is fact. It is factual. It it is assets on the ground. It is force projection. It gives you the ability to it. It increases your choices if you don't have extra bombers on Guam, and oh, by the way, they're just reinforcing the amount of missiles they have on Guam. If you don't have uh, the plan, get the civilians out, the American civilians out of danger, and if you don't have the extra aircraft carrier there, you do not have the options to make your choices. Trump is putting into place the ability to make choices. Now, I agree with you and Mr. Petraeus. It's, it still seems unlikely, but what he's doing is trying to keep them second to second guess. And there is a small uh, bit of light in this. This hard line, incredibly dangerous though it is, and uh, when people rattle sabers, sometimes pe- you know, people get so scared that they start fighting. That's the problem with saber rattling. But it's a big game of um, chess and chicken. The Chinese came out, what, two to three weeks ago with a basic nuclear umbrella guarantee for North Korea. They basically said... If you are attacked, we will come to your assistance. But then, crucially, they said, if you attack South Korea or the United States or Japan, we will not come to your assistance. So they are actually playing the grown-ups in this. 
uh, and they've made it very plain to, to, to North Korea, you better not start this. They've made it very plain to the Americans, you better not start this either. So with the Chinese playing the grown-ups and with Rex Tillerson at least trying to endeavour to have some kind of back channels with, with North Korea, um, what real room for manoeuvre does, uh, does Trump actually have here? Because surely all we're doing is recognising that North Korea is a nuclear yeah. state. Um, there is nothing the Americans can do about it. Full stop. There is... Um... Well, there are many paths, the three main ones. Uh, the unthinkable, that you have to think about war, uh, that you move everything into position. Uh, you, like I said, it would be pretty obvious that, that they were seriously thinking of doing it once everything was in position, and then they try to smash them as quickly as possible with the proviso that the civilian death toll is looking in the minimum 50, 60, 70 thousands within the first few days. That's one scenario. Another scenario is that you do the grand bargain somehow, and this obviously involves China, that there's some sort of deal. Um, America agrees to withdraw all its troops and all its bases off the Korean Peninsula, and in return, uh, North Korea uh, agrees to abandon its nuclear armaments. That would take... Uh, UN weapons inspectors going in. I can't see Pyongyang agreeing to that. And I can't see Mr. Trump dismantling the American military bases in uh, North in South Korea. But it's an option. And then there's the third option. And that is, yes, you, you learn to live with a, a nuclear armed North Korea, even one that can miniaturize its 60 or so nuclear weapons that it may have and put them on the tops of nuclear weapons and uh, develop cruise missiles that can reach, well, exactly where you are now, Royfield. And that is a scenario because if you go all the way back to the Cuban Missile Crisis, 62, um, Castro actually asked Khrushchev, look, I really think you ought to nuke America because they're about to nuke us, so you do it first. And Castro said, no, thank you. Um, so you had, at least you had rational leaders in charge. But the Americans had already looked at plans to bomb Russia to try and stop it getting a nuclear weapon, decided against it, learnt about detente uh, and deterrence and mutually assured destruction. They also thought Mao Zedong in the 60s, the Chinese leader, may, may be unstable. Um, but they came to the conclusion that that was too high a price to pay to, for a preemptive bomb, and they learned to live with the United States, uh, the Chinese bomb. Um, Pakistan and India weren't considered American enemies, and so they got the bomb without anybody noticing at the time. And so now we're into this new scenario where this third this third way is that you you accept a nuclear armed. Uh, North Korea, you count on the Chinese to rein them in, and we uh, we carry on. But that's a pretty dangerous world. Sounds to me, though, that if you are if you are Pyongyang, this is your greatest guarantee yes. of uh, of your future, isn't it? Because you create um, a new stalemate. Uh, and, you know, there is nothing the outside world can do. You have your guarantee from China. You have this notional nuclear umbrella. 
Um, what the Americans aren't going to do is wander in um, Iraq style and, and go and uh, kill, kill your leader like they did with Saddam Hussein or have some punitive sanctions uh, against you which are going to affect you a la yeah. Iran. You're right. The flaw in the third... This is, I mean, look, there are no good solutions because the flaw in the third argument, which you can see will all have a big sigh of relief because, oh, okay, we've learned to live with North Korea. It's not going to be crazy. The Chinese will rein them in. And, okay, it'll be the eighth or ninth nuclear power in the world, but we'll somehow deal... We'll, we'll, we'll live with it. But it's not as simple as that because the North Korean regime openly states it intends to control the entire of the Korean peninsula. It means to unite the two Koreas, of course, under Pyongyang and under their sort of pretend communist gangster rule. So if that happens, because they've got nuclear weapons and they can start to threaten South Korea, well, a number of things could flow from that. One is that South Korea thinks Hmm, maybe we should have nuclear weapons. Japan definitely thinks it perhaps ought to have nuclear weapons. And anyway, given that under the next American president's watch, sorry, the current, because every single American president has failed to deal with this, now another one fails to deal with it. What are the American allies in the Pacific region supposed to make of this? Who are they supposed to trust? Who do they think is going to come to their assistance? when on the American presidential watches, North Korea has become a nuclear power which tries to dominate several of them. So as I said, there are no positives. There's no positive outcomes, um, which is why war is considered an option, even if it's of the three I gave you, the outside one. Normally, at the end of a Mid-Atlantic, we ask our two pundits, whether it's John and Reggie or Doug, for their takeaways of the week. And we thought we'd keep that tradition going with our special The What and the Why collaborations with Tim Marshall. So, Tim, the question goes to you. What's been your takeaway of the last seven days, sir? Uh, that I think the major thing in my world was that the uh, Blade Runner 2049 is not as good as the original. <laughs> was there was there any ever going to be any doubt that the uh, you know the, the sequel was not going to be as good as the well, um, I yes um, yes because Godfather Two can, it can be argued was superior to Godfather One and Spider Man um, Two and the Empire Strikes Back. Wouldn't know about that. No, Blade Runner was my favourite all-time film. Uh, I saw it when it first came out in a dingy little cinema in London. I just was, I th- it, and it's remained ever since then my favourite all-time film because it, you know it's a it's a film of ideas and action and, and beautifully filmed. Um, so I, I couldn't, I didn't think this next one would live up to it. I, I was, I enjoyed it. It is a very good film, the new one, but it lacks the. Um, the depth, I think, of the first movie. You're reading a magazine, you come across a full-page nude photo of a girl. Is this testing whether I'm a replicant or a lesbian, Mr. Deckard? Just answer the questions, please. You can actually see as you're watching it, oh yeah, they've put that in in case they want another sequel. Oh, that's another storyline in case they want another film, which is irritating. Um, and it was it was more blockbusty which, you know, there's quite enough blockbusters out there already. So it's a really good film, 
Um, congratulations to everyone involved, but it's a long way off from being that absolute art classic of the original. Good question on Blade Runner. Is Blade Runner um, the classic movie that everybody says? Is it because of the ideas or is it because of the uh, the set design? Because I just think visually, it that's the thing that really pushed it into another realm, wasn't it? You know, it was this. But, I, I, but they're complementary. They, they they just they go together so well. I mean, you're right. Visually, it was like nothing else before. But the ideas. When you put the ideas that are in it into it, and then for me, the, the work of genius—well, the whole thing is—but was to was to make it an, a film noir from the 1950s, you know, with the Sam Spade detective kind of mm. feel. Um, could have been written by Raymond Chandler, some some of it, and and to mix all that up into what they did was was just absolute genius. But but yeah, visually, you, know, you were just like wow never seen that before and then into that come all these philosophical ideas about you know what is reality what is identity uh, and and the writing it was just a, it's, it was just a one off you know they don't come along very often films like that and um it, it has stood the test of time perfect i tell you what has stood the test of time you watch that original blade runner and he's, he's when's it supposed to be set 2040 or something or another and he's and he's really no no, the, no the, 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 the the original is set in 2019 oh oh well yeah, only two years off oh crumbs <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't quite had the environmental collapse in in, in los angeles yet so but we've got that no bit. but the 2049 was um mm-hmm. i mean it's got it's got even worse because it snows and it's dusty and everything Cool. All right. Uh, just before we go, Tim, you should tell everybody about your bony fighters where they can find you online. So tell tell oh, them where they can find your website and uh, social media, etc. Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> my website is thewhatandthewhy.com, and its tagline is that extremes are easy, the centre is hard. Because I, I feel we need to cling on to this shrinking centre ground and not listen to the siren voices of left and right. Uh, I am I Twittius on Twitter, which is after uh, I Claudius by Robert Graves. And um, if you want to buy any books I've written, one is called Worth Dying For, uh, about the politics of flags. One is called Prisoners of Geography, about how geography is one of the determining factors of history. Cool. Brilliant. And of course, you can catch up with uh, Mid-Atlantic. We are where on Twitter. We are Mid-Atlantic Show. The website is midatlanticshow.com um, if you want some badly written tweets uh, grammar which is going to be thrown out the window lack of capitalization, follow me on Twitter where I'm at Royfield R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D now Tim just very last question I'm about to interview Nadine Doris um, noted uh, colourful parliamentarian and Brexiteer uh, yeah. one question I should ask her well look get yourself a headline does she think Theresa May should resign now? Now, if she says no, um, the you haven't got a headline. If she says yes, yeah, you've got a line. <laughs> when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow-up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.